that tiny sapling has now, you know, gone through its development and now gives you fruit. And um, that transformation, that joyous giving of the tree is something that is, is just hard to describe. Welcome to You Should Write a Book About That. I'm Kim O'Hara, a book coach with a story inside, and I'm interviewing fascinating people from all walks of life with a story to tell. Do these folks have a best-selling book in them? Stick around and find out. Originally from Ecuador, Daniela moved to the U.S. for her master's in public health, which led her to South Africa, working on the impact of HIV on healthcare workers. After four years there and four kids in tow, her family settled down in a farm in New England. Welcome to the show, Daniela, and I'm looking really forward to talking with you about the effects of environment, especially during these times, and meditation. You bet, Kim. Thanks so much for having me. So your field to fork farm, which is in New Hampshire, has affected your perspective as a primary care physician um, in the area of nature and and lifestyle and and our health. And, you know, we all can't live on a farm, you know, especially for (laughs) many of us who are in urban environments. So what can you share about our environment you know, the urban dwellers per se, how that, that does affect us and how can we counter those effects? So I think the the first thing that I, that I realized when I was a a young physician was that, um, you know, people aren't necessarily sick from um, the kinds of diseases that I would see in a third world country or a developing country like Ecuador. Um, when I came to the United States, I thought my patients would be so much healthier because they didn't suffer with uh, malaria or tuberculosis or parasites and so on. Um, and the big shock to me was that I felt like my patients in the United States were um, far less healthy and far less resilient and suffered from uh, far more emotional conditions than did, let's say, uh, my rural patients in in, uh, in Ecuador. And so I tried to, to understand that and, and break that down. And, and I think fundamentally what I realized was that people um, tend to be lonelier. Um, our society tends to isolate people, tends to isolate uh, young parents, for example. They don't have the kind of supports that you may find uh, in other cultures. And people's diet uh, for the most part, is not great. People aren't getting enough of their fruits and vegetables um, uh, and herbs and spices and things like that. And and if they do, uh, these agricultural products are not necessarily grown in uh, truly uh, fertile soil. And so even if you eat an apple, it may not have the kind of nutrients that it would have had, um, you know, 50 years ago. And I think the the compression of an urban stressed lifestyle with poor access to nutrients in general and layer in a degree of loneliness or, or um, you know, lack of connection to the community. And you have a perfect storm for chronic diseases and, and melancholy, frankly. And I think the farm is a place where uh, I have healed myself and I find an incredible amount of um, insight and wisdom into how 
healthy cycles actually do work. And, and that's how I've tied it into my uh, work as a primary care physician and integrative doctor. So it's a very winded answer. No, I mean, I, it's beautiful. And, and you've laid out sort of the map of what we're struggling with in the urban yes. environment. But I, I want to continue talking about. So what do we do? I mean, what is right. what is the solution? I mean, right. um, a lot of, you know, urban communities, especially poor urban communities have, mm-hmm. you know, what's called food deserts where right. they have really not very good grocery stores, lots of liquor stores, lots of churches, um, but not a lot of good, healthy food. And that might not change anytime soon. But what, from what I understand that I know about you and what you're moving towards with holistic medicine is what we can do in urban environments is meditate. And that is something that can, is it physiologically change the body? What is the implementation of that in some of these communities? Sure. So just to, just to sort of um, tie off any loose ends, I think that um, you brought up the notion of um, poor communities not having access to, um, to nutrient dense, you know, pesticide free fruits and vegetables. And, and that is true, but there are, incredible people out there that are sort of guerrilla gardeners, right? And they are um, planting trees and developing uh, inner city uh, gardens that are that are lush and delicious. And and in fact, even with with minimal effort, even just having herbs in a windowsill um, can already benefit you, whether it's spiritually (laughs) um, or or just from the from the antioxidants from your, you know, from your um, herbs. And so I don't want people to think that that it's a a complete wash. Uh, And also, even just being in nature, even if there's a small pocket where there's a tree and there's a bird in it, that is already nature. And and we stand to benefit to to sit under that tree and observe that, you know, squirrel or bird. There's a, a connection that can be established even in the most small, um, petite forests. Um, so I just want to put that out there. Love that. So Thank people. you. So true. Um, Everybody yeah. has a tree. Yes. Or a plant. <laughs> or, you know, even if you walk through um, these urban landscapes, you can see these like weeds, these beautiful flowered weeds that are just poking up through the through the gravel or through the a crack in the in the ground and just take a moment to ponder the strength of that plant as it's you know working towards um getting to the light and i think there's a lot of translation that you can do from that and a lot of joy from just observing these little elements of nature that are out there and so um there's a plug for not killing those dandelions <laughs> it's um, beautiful <sighs> So getting to meditation, though, I think what you're what I think is so important, obviously, the nutritional aspects and being in nature and reconnecting with community. But I think what meditation and mindfulness does is that it um, it softens the mind. It uh, reduces stress and stress is a very, very toxic um, entity in our lives. Uh, stress is OK in small doses because it kind of keeps us out of trouble. But if you're chronically stressed and you're stressed through childhood and, and uh, you know, there's trauma in your history, stress precipitates all sorts of chemical and hormonal cascades that, in fact, change your genetics. Mm-hmm. And so that's the element of epigenetics. And so there's this one thing that we can all do, which doesn't cost money, which is 
to sit and just take a moment to listen to your breath, take a moment to slow down your breathing, uh, take a moment to have gratitude, even in the moments when you think, darn it, you know, there's nothing to be thankful for. Yeah, there is. <laughs> um, and, and just to slow down just for a, a, a brief moment, that will allow your body to have a moment of regeneration. It can sort itself out and you'll, and you'll notice if you, even if you just sit in your car quietly for a minute and a half before you start your busy day, you started with better poise. Uh, and I think that that's what everyone is looking for. Just that slowing down and it can be done. It doesn't have to be complicated, but we just have to give it to ourselves as a gift. And it's, it, it, it is so simple when you describe it that way. And I know that you are in a traditional medical community. Mm-hmm. So what are you finding that the norm is for doctors in that community? Yeah. And what is their response to practices like meditation for health versus turning to big pharma, you know, take a Valium, right. take a, right. you know, Vicodin, whatever. Right. I mean, this is, this was my, this was my own journey. I mean, I think, um, you know, I, I, I went into medicine because one, I was terrible at math and two, um, <laughs> I love helping people. And so, you know, when I went into medical school, I really was under the impression that, um, science was the answer to everything and, um, and, and, and people could be fundamentally healthy, you know? Um, and as I've, as I've aged, uh, I realized that people can't fully be healthy if they're distraught, if they're lonely, if uh, they don't eat well, if they don't sleep well, if their relationships are poor, if the environment is stricken. And so when I was seeing patients on a day-to-day basis as a primary care physician, I felt incredibly frustrated because I couldn't have the conversations about well-being and sleep and uh, nourishment that I needed to have for my patients. And what my patients expected was a prescription for a cholesterol-lowering medicine. Mm-hmm. And that was incredibly frustrating. And it nearly drove me out of medicine. Um, but I found solace and I found an incredible group of physicians that thought the way that I did um, when I did my uh, fellowship in integrative medicine through the Andrew Weil uh, program in Arizona. And there I met rheumatologists, cardiologists, surgeons, emergency um, uh, physicians, psychiatrists that had a similar spirit to mine. And and so, you know, it's it's hard. Sometimes I was considered the kooky doctor that instead of giving somebody a cholesterol medicine, I gave them a, uh, a recipe. You know, <laughs> I love that <laughs> recipe for I don't know overnight oats or something. And so my, you know, my my colleagues would look at me in a funny way, and yet my patients were happier, and Thriving. they would come back and see me. And and if necessary and appropriate, of course, I would prescribe a statin, but not before having a conversation about avoiding a hamburger. And so I felt uh, strengthened by the fact that there are groups like. Uh, like, you know, integrative physicians and, and functional medicine docs that try to get to the core of the issue before prescribing. And there's always, there's always a, you know, when there's an appropriate reason to prescribe, of course, I'm going to do that. But we're going to go through the work together of untangling what it is that's causing you distress and finding ways, even small ways of addressing small elements 
mm-hmm. right? That can help you become healthier faster. Absolutely. And, mm-hmm. you know, we talk about writing books um, mm-hmm. and I, I know that you want to write at some point about, you know, your perception of meditation mm-hmm. and integrative <laughs> medicine and everything you've just shared with us right now, which is just, mm-hmm. you know, such a wealth of information. But let's talk about whether you'd be interested in writing about trauma in the body. I know that you came here from Ecuador fleeing from mm-hmm. unrest and there's a lot of people with PTSD. Mm-hmm. What impact did that have on your health and ultimately your life choices? And how would you write about that? That's so interesting. I think there, there, there's a lot of information out there and, and, and scientific papers and, and, and books, in fact, um, that basically describe how your body keeps score, right? It keeps score every time you have an event that's traumatic that you can't process, right? Because we're all moving at such a high speed, um, that your body remembers these things, whether it's uh, a racial insult, whether it's um, um, childhood trauma because your parents uh, engaged in domestic violence or whether you know, there's a history of sexual trauma, all of these things, the body remembers. And often it presents as uh, pain, right? Pain in your lower back, pain in your upper back, um, uh, autoimmune conditions, uh, fibromyalgia, anxiety, depression. And it's easier for the medical, for, for a medical team to say, okay, listen, lady, because often it's women, um, I'm going to give you a medication, but we don't talk about the triggers. We don't talk about those early um, childhood traumas. And and in my case, I have to say, I don't I don't know that I can expressly verbalize a traumatic circumstance, but I certainly did leave my country in a very fast way. I was uprooted with with my sibling. Um, we moved schools, we moved countries, I never really could set root. Which is, I think, part of the reason why farming and specifically having an orchard um, is so healing for me personally. I think I was uprooted and now setting roots via my trees is something that um, I feel to my core. It's hard to describe. I know it's a little cool. No, you just described it so beautifully. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is what writing is. It's like it's coming to the conclusions of putting these connections together and then uniquely writing about something that, like you said, has been so scientifically examined and there's been all the, you know, psychological books about it, but you're, you're, you're talking about just getting back to the roots, which is so beautiful beautiful as an art form, as an expression and, and putting it with an orchard. I mean, how thrilled are we when we see trees and orchard? Yeah. And just being able to, um, there's something so extraordinarily gratifying when you have this spindly, ridiculous little sapling and you put it in the ground and you think, well, this is stupid. And then before you know it, just like you see your children grow and you said, wait a minute, they were seven years old and now they're 14. How did that just happen? That tiny sapling has now, you know, gone through its development and now gives you fruit. And um, that transformation, that joyous giving of the tree is something that is is just hard to describe and and is so valuable. We can take so many um stories and 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 we can get so much wisdom from that 
I, I, mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. I, I want to wrap up the interview just by addressing, you know, the state of the world right now with COVID yes. and what do you suggest people do to shift feelings of illness? A lot of people are having, you know, like, oh, I think I have COVID, but they're really just yes, depleted, you know, depleted. Right. What can they do right. to shift? Um, well, I think um, that's a really good question. And I just have to kind of ponder it for just a moment, because today I just had, like you described, patients that are tired, fatigued, have sore throat, and they're coming in and they're like, do I have COVID? And the, the bottom line is, obviously, if you have a fever and you have symptoms, please get tested. Uh, you know, we don't have to dwell on that. I think that's just the, the logical. Done. Step. Yes. You know, however, people can strengthen themselves by strengthening their immune system. And I think the best way to do that is to sleep enough, (laughs) to eat well, to do self-care, to have self-empathy. And if you're tired and exhausted, understand where that's coming from and ask for help. Somebody will, will be joyously happy to help you if, if you just ask them. And so sometimes we're just so fatigued, we forget that that um, other people can assist us, right? Whether with our kids, whether with, um, uh, you know, a financial question, whatever it might be, look at your community, see if somebody can help you. And, and when you're feeling ready, you can give back by helping someone else. Um, self-empathy is critical. We are too hard on ourselves. We don't feed ourselves well. We don't, you know, cherish our bodies slow down. You know, you you can say no to a meeting. You can structure your life in such a way that you don't always feel so pressed for time. Um, but you just have to make that decision for yourself. And sleep is the fundamental way that the body resets itself. So don't stay up at night looking at Instagram, you know, Instagram <laughs> or political shows or, you know, whatever it might be. Uh, or like me, I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm like pouring over the newspaper. Don't do that. Don't do as I do. Do as I say, which is try and sleep. Because that's when the body uh, removes toxins. Um, in fact, um, improves your neurological functioning, your, your, your neurons detoxify during REM sleep. Um, so try and sleep. And then lastly, in addition to enough vegetables and fruits, I would encourage folks to eat mushrooms. Um, mushrooms are very good at stimulating the immune system and detoxifying the body. The mushrooms should be cooked. Please don't eat any raw mushrooms, um, as there can be carcinogenic um, elements found in in even button mushrooms, but they're perfectly healthy cooked. So try and eat um, mushrooms throughout the week. And if you don't like mushrooms, uh, go ahead and and get um, a, a combination mushroom supplement. I think that would be good to boost the immune system. Well, I feel incredibly good that I ate an entire crate of mushrooms last week. (laughs) No wonder why I feel fantastic. So we'll end on that note. That's such a simple task for people to do. I love it because everybody can sit under a tree and everybody can go buy you know, at least even button mushrooms. You can get those at the 99 cent store. Exactly. A little olive oil and garlic. You'll love it. I really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for uh, coming and talking to us from your busy schedule. 
My pleasure, Kim. Thanks so much for having me. You've been listening to You Should Write a Book About That. If you enjoyed our episode, tell a friend to listen, subscribe, and review on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And a big shout out to our listeners on CastBox, where you can leave a comment and I will personally respond. <laughs>